Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I just counted them up. Wednesday, I made a two-hour video giving you 33 reasons why you should come to the Sevenfold Miracle Crusade. Thirty years ago, God began giving me prophecies saying that one day He's going to use me to win thousands upon thousands of souls to His kingdom, including an audible voice, a vision, a dream, six prophetic words, 33 in all, and I believe that I have been directed to organize a meeting to release sevenfold miracles. We're asking those who believe in the warning given to Dimitri Dudeman that America is the mystery Babylon, willing to sow a key of David's seed, commit to a three-day consecutive fast, and believe in the end times to come to this crusade. During this crusade, we're asking people to walk the steps of Moses by observing Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, which is April 19 to 22. We believe that once we have fasted, sown the key of David, and opened the doors and followed the steps of Moses, God is going to release the sevenfold miracles like no person or angel in human history has ever seen. If you want to attend, register at sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. There are only 500 seats available. We expect to have several thousand wanting to come. That's sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Register while there are still seats available. sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. If you've been listening to the Prophecy Club for a while, you've probably heard me quote some amazing prophecies, and you probably thought, man, I'd like to have a copy of those prophecies. I put together my selection of the most quoted speakers we've had at the Prophecy Club, and by getting this offer, you will have the most important information from 25 years, 160 guest speakers that have made 330 DVDs, in my opinion. It's called Stan's Quote Material. The first one is The Storm Judgment Revival. You've heard me say Shane Warren many times. Revelations for the Midnight Hour, Maurice Scalar. I Saw the Dollar Dead, Daniel Davis. The End of Times, Augusto Perez. Will You Survive America's Fall, Doug Metzger. Catastrophe Meteor Tsunami Earthquake, Ephraim Rodriguez. Meteor Destruction of America by me. And the most important one, Wake Up America by Dimitri Dudeman, and a book called Prophecies of the Fall of America. That's nine DVDs, one book, valued $280 for a gift of just $75. That's right, $280 worth of material, nine DVDs in a book for $75. And it's called Stan's Quote Material. You get it at prophecyclub.com. Stan's Quote material. I would even say Stan's favorite quote material. You want the best information? You get this offer. Stan's quote material. Nine DVDs and a book. $280 value for $75. Prophecyclub.com. Now we're going to listen to one of them. Will You Survive America's Fall by Doug Metzger. Stan Johnson. Thank you. Welcome to the Prophecy Club where we provide information and resources with a prophetic warning message to win souls to Jesus and to call people to repentance. And it's my privilege tonight to introduce our speaker. Our topic is, Will You Survive America's Fall? At the age of 19, Doug had a very special salvation. God began to show him dreams and visions from the very first time he was saved. And he's shown him many of them. As a matter of fact, he's going to be sharing about 16 of them this evening. One of the things he was shown is that such unspeakable torment is coming to our beloved nation. Why? Because those he loves, he chastens. Okay? The torment is coming 
to turn America back to God. Not because he hates us, but because he loves us. So we help me welcome Doug Metzger. God bless you, Brad. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to get on some heavy topics tonight, and one of the things I felt compelled to share to open up with is um, I was driving along one time in Atlanta, and on this particular day, here on the news, L. Ron Hubbard had died, and that same week, another fellow, Armstrong, had died. Both of them had led millions astray. And I remember what I said in my heart. I said, well, now they know the truth. I heard a very loud voice immediately come back. It is not my desire that any should perish. It was God's reproving me. And I have experienced his passion, not just for myself, but for countless others over the years. And so in that context, the things that I share about America falling, um, it's heavy, but it's for the purpose to save as many that can be saved. Um, and that we should have the same heart and same compassion. It's not his desire that any should perish. There was, a, there was a period I would spend time of just praise and worship, um, and five hours would go by like it was five minutes. And in that time, the, the presence of God would show up so rich. And in the context of that time, I was going to a fellowship that didn't believe in healing today, didn't believe in the works of the Spirit, didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, when I would go back and I'd share them some of the things that God would show me, I didn't even know to use the word vision at that time. And they said, well, that's a vision. They'd reprove me for having one. Well, well I can't stop it from having. But, uh, <laughs> but what God had shown me, there was this period of time as leading up to what we're going to share tonight where um, he would show me things that would happen the same day or the next day or the next week or the next month or years later. And 95% of the things he had shown me over that time period have already come to pass. The last 5%, the worst, is yet to come, and that's what we're going to cover this evening. But during that time, um, the, one of the first visions I remember having distinctly was I saw this Russian-made air-to-air missile shooting down a plane. I'm like, okay, God, what is this? Just a bad mushroom on a pizza. And uh, uh, the next day, a uh, American plane shot down over Turkey was shot down by a Russian-made air-to-air missile. I'm like, okay, that's a coincidence. Uh, and, and so I'd seek God and I'd pray. And one time I'm driving, this is up in Minneapolis at the time, and I'm seeing mortars falling down all around me, blowing up. Now, this was before cell phones. Um, so I pulled over, I got on the phone, my wife's a sport. I said, honey, I'm, I'm seeing mortars falling down all around me. It's like an open vision that's superimposed over what's going on around me. I could see these mortars falling down. And I said, I think someone's under a mortar attack. And uh, I said, we're supposed to pray. So I prayed, we both prayed, and said, Father, if there's someone under a mortar attack, would you spare them? And Dan Rather on the evening news that night said, the worst mortar attack was launched against the troops at the Beirut airport. And his words, the miracle was not one person was injured. And I went, oh my gosh, I'm seeing things. And then he started showing me these visions, broader visions. I think what he did during this period of time, he kept showing me, Doug, you can hear me. Here's the proof. Here's the coming to pass. Now let me show you the things that are yet to come. And he's telling me at the time, a person who can't get his mind around some of the things he's showing me. One of the first visions uh, that he showed me was um, a sequoia, a big redwood tree, and he was showing me about the church. Big redwood tree falling across the path. And he said many believers would come up to this tree and that they couldn't get past the, uh, 
the tree, on the, on the side of the tree was written, America had fallen. Uh, <clears throat> and as Christians would approach this tree, they couldn't go over it, they couldn't go around it, they couldn't go under it. And they came up against it and they realized that they were stuck. Most Christians couldn't get past that America had fallen. And what I saw in the midst of that is the tree opened up as if there was a translucent door, like a cross was there. And that those that could get past the fact that America had fallen, they would walk through this uh, translucent door and they would go to the other side of the tree and they would be as giants on the other side. In other words, the church was confronted with America had fallen. Many people could not get past the fact that America had fallen. But those who understood how to pull upon Christ, how to pray, how to be crucified with Christ with the temptations and the fears that come, they were able to pass through the very midst of the tree and on the other side they became giants. Not restrained by a change in environment, a change in our nation, a change in government, a change that all went around us, but they experienced the, the power of God greater than whatever the temptation was. And then he showed me another vision about the church in America. It was about a mountain range. And on this mountain range, you could see uh, rain falling on the mountains. And as the rain would fall, as, as rain does, as water does, it's going to go to the path of least resistance and come down the mountain. And at the bottom of the mountain range was this huge desert. Now he's showing me this is how the church in America was formed. When it came down to the bottom, that the, there was this vast lake that had covered the bottom of the uh, desert. But when the sun came up, the church this vast water evaporated. And he said, this is the church in America that are formed by the waters coming on the mountains. It went down the path of least resistance. It filled up a desert that was so vast and so huge you couldn't see one end to the other, but under the slightest amount of heat, under the, uh, the slightest amount of resistance, it evaporated. And what I came to understand is one of the things that we have learned or lost in uh, the modern church is the discipline that comes through suffering. Has anyone ever here suffered? Has anyone gained a knowledge of Christ through suffering? That's unbelievable. And yet, most of the church in America is formed or were taught that suffering somehow is wrong, or somehow you're missing God, rather than some suffer according to the will of God. And I realized over the years that the sufferings that I went through, um, the sufferings that I had gone through over the years, that every one of them, as Paul discovered, by the comfort to which uh, he received, he comforted others. And there was every bit of suffering that I had gone through. I ended up using it as minister. There was one time with my wife, and I, I looked over at her, and, and have, have you ever been around a loved one that had passed, passed on? And I looked at her and my children as if they had passed on. And my heart was absolutely crushed and ripped out because that that there's no connection there. And my wife, astute, she said, well, if we're dead, we're in heaven. What's your problem? And... Uh, I said, well, that's a good point. Why does it hurt so much? And so I started praying about what the hurt is to get to the place of peace, you know, peace that defies understanding. It gives us grace in every situation. And as I got to the other side of grace and, and experiencing the grace of God, it was about a month of working through that sense of loss of my wife and children. On the other side, I found the peace of God. I found out why it hurt so much in losing somebody and had the peace of God. The next uh, week, I was asked to talk to over 30 wid widowers or trying to work through their issues. And I realized that in every bit of suffering that God had taken me through, it was always for a way to glory on the other side. And that the church has formed in America this vast lake 
a little bit of heat comes, it evaporates, there's only a few pools left that had any depth. And it's because we haven't learned the discipline of suffering. Suffering happens for a reason. One of the hardest lessons for me to learn is that everything happens for a purpose and for a reason. Have you ever had God ask you to suffer physically? You know, there's, I like, God, I don't want to do that. You know, here I am, pick someone else, you know. Uh, and, and so he said, what's in your heart? I said, Father, uh, you know, I don't have the grace. He says, you're right, you don't. How about if I give you a grace greater than the pain, the physical pain? And he'd give me grace greater than the physical pain. And I'd be able then to minister to people that were going through tremendous pain and torment. One of the things that, uh, uh, I don't know, in hearing God, how many here hear God, want to grow in hearing God, hearing the clarity of God. Okay, one of the things I had to get past early on in, in my life is getting rid of me, my opinion, of what I think. And so I actually had to repent of my opinion. And I'd have a, a friend of mine, I remember one time he asked, he said, would you go pray for a friend of mine that he's, in, uh, he's dying, he's in Emory Hospital, he's dying of cirrhosis of the liver. He said, pray that he be healed. And I said to my brother, I said, I'll, I'll pray what the Lord puts on my heart. In other words, I realize I got to get rid of my point of view or my opinions of things sometimes to hear God because he has a different viewpoint than I do. So as we met this fellow in the, uh, the hospital, and he was dying of cirrhosis river at, at liver, and I asked him one time when he was coherent, I said, uh, can I pray for you? And he gave me permission to pray for him. And uh, I said, Father, forgive them, the priest that molested him as a child. And uh, that's what led him to alcoholism. That's what brought him then eventually here to the hospital. Now he's dying of cirrhosis of the liver. He had come to, and for the next five days, he had a clear mind, uh, was not tormented with pain or whatever. And he finally said to my friend, he says, I don't know who that guy was, but I never told anyone I was molested by a priest. He said, that's exactly what happened. And when he prayed, Father, forgive that priest and forgive the little boy that was crushed by that and release his heart. He said, I just felt peace. And you could visit the people that were there, the nurse, this fellow, and others that were there. You could visibly see, see the presence of God come over him. He died five days later. And when I heard God say, he said, prepare him to die. And again, it's the passion. It's the mercy of God. That he's there. I've seen him many times where I'd minister to people before they died. Or God gave him the opportunity to come to Christ before they died under horrendous circumstances. But here was a situation that my friend then said to me, I, pray, I know I asked you to pray that he be healed, but the truth is, this was better than seeing him healed. I saw him die in absolute pace and without any pain, and the trans transition between life and death was so easy for him. And again, sometimes we have to get rid of us. Um, vision of a nuclear missile. During this time, I was sharing you earlier, again, I, I had a difficult time getting my mind around some of the visions that God was showing me of things yet to come. I see a missile coming towards America, a ballistic missile. And on the side of the missile was uh, what I know now is to be the Korean, North Korean flag. And that, that symbol on the side of the missile would change back in, into a sword, then back to a missile and into a sword. And I said, Father, what is this? And I heard him say, it's a sword of judgment that's coming. Now, what's interesting, at the time, I wasn't even aware of North Korea, certainly that they had missiles, even a nuclear missile, and the truth is they didn't. 
At the time, they didn't have any of that. That's something that is more in the present last six months. And I think that the vision was equating to my heart, Doug, this is the timing of when things were going to start to happen or start unfolding. And right now in history, we're at that time where those things are starting to come to pass. He had showed me during that time uh, pillars in the church that had uh, uh, fallen. And those pillars in the church were leaders in the church over the years, um, he just showed me who they were, and one after another would fall as he was saying, these are things yet to come. And this was the vision, sort of judgment. And this was interesting. I looked down as, just like that, a map of a, the U.S. And on the map, I saw 12 different cities across the country uh, explode. And it wasn't ballistic, but I knew it was nuclear. And again, again, at the time, my mind could not conceive that America would ever suffer and suffer something like that. And he said, this is yet to come. It was interesting. As, uh, this was a scene from a, a movie. I don't know if you all have seen this movie, Jericho. It was a series years ago. But it was, uh, that, that opening scene was exactly what I saw in a vision. It was identical. And this was, that was supposed to be Denver blowing up in the background there. And all 12 cities were destroyed as in one day. I was living in one of these cities, and the Lord had quickened my heart that my wife and I were to move out of Atlanta. This was one of them. And this one I can freely share. I was praying as, as I felt God convicting, move out of the city. I said, Father, this isn't an easy task, so I want to test the Spirit. I want to make sure I'm hearing you. And the dream that he gave me was America was on, or excuse me, uh, Atlanta was on fire. And I was literally walking out of the city. The cars were not running. And I said, okay, Father, this, I mean, it, was, it was one of those you wake up out of a sweat type of dream. And uh, I said, okay, Father, you know, you're going to have to give me wisdom here what to do. And over the next few days, six people had called me, each one not knowing the other, and each one having the same dream and the same vision of seeing Atlanta on fire. This was two days after I had my dream. And I'm asking for a confirmation, Father, do I move out of Atlanta or not? And I said, Doug, now I was walking out of Atlanta, north of Atlanta, towards the mountains. Um, and so they would call me and say, Doug, I saw myself walking out west. Another one said, I see myself walking out east. And another one, I see myself walking out south. And I was like, how many witnesses do I need to know that Atlanta is probably not a good town to stay in? <laughs> um, I also saw two explosions. And one explosion that happened in the natural was so huge. In fact, it could have been a nuclear explosion, but it was something that happened in the natural. And that when people had witnessed it, or the shock of it, literally took their breath away of how huge this was. <gasps> and many people died in that explosion. And then <clears throat> it was met by a, a second explosion, even a greater explosion. And that greater explosion was that of the Holy Spirit coming in such a way that whatever evil had come, His grace was far greater than the first explosion. But in that second explosion, as men, <gasps> their breath was taken away as they took hold of the Spirit. <sighs> because it was the Spirit of God coming in a, in a mighty way, much bigger than the first explosion. And when they caught their breath, they ran to take hold of the person of Jesus himself. They knew at that moment there was no other salvation but Christ himself. And I, I say these things because I believe these things are coming. I had shared with people over the years, I had been in ministry for 
25 years in counseling. And in a counseling context, I got the opportunity to hear God's voice almost daily. And it was different for each person. If, if I was dealing with a Pentecostal, the Lord would show up as a Pentecostal because that's how they needed me to speak. Or as a Baptist, a Baptist, a Presbyterian, a Presbyterian. And so I would see God show up according to the need of those who were there. But the one constant I saw amongst all those people is nobody came because times were good. No one came because they genuinely in their heart wanted to hear God's voice. No one came because they wanted to grow in the revelation and they wanted to reveal Christ then to the world. They came because they went broke or they got divorced or something. They came because of harshness. And I'd ask the Father many times, why are you showing me these things? Why? Why do you keep showing me these visions and these dreams? And I always heard him say the same answer, so that you would pray. And I don't know about you, I didn't start off believing in prayer. <laughs> I had to be shown the power of prayer. And if you don't mind, I'll, I'll share one. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, I, has, I was away. I had started our ministry back in 86. Uh, my wife and I actually started in training law enforcement in crimes against children. I'd seen the worst types of crimes, uh, crime scenes you can imagine, cult and alcohol related, but specifically uh, crimes against children, murder scenes, that type of thing. And I developed training films for law enforcement on how to do uh, profiling of people who do these type of things. Uh, and so, so saw the worst thing in the world you can possibly imagine. And that actually turned into a counseling ministry because there were so many victims far more than I could possibly imagine had come for counseling. And so my forte was to deal primarily with women that came out of rape or molestation or incest or something like that and saw countless lives transformed. And during this time, uh, the Lord had actually taken me out of the ministry for a while for one sin. The sin was not knowing how to lay my life down for my wife. And that meant a lot to him. At the time, it didn't mean much to me, but, but I realized that means everything to him. What it is for us to lay our lives down one for another? Specifically, he started with my wife and I. And as I learned that, and, and the miraculous things that happen, and learning what it is to die for someone else, that someone else may live, to learn how to lay your life down for others. I came back to the ministry, and the ministry I entrusted to others um, the Lord kind of brought us back miraculously, but one of the things that I came back to is the ministry had become a white-only ministry, where before I ministered to every race, denomination, expression, whatever. But it had come kind of narrow. Now, the reason why I emphasize this in these things that I'm sharing, the key is understanding to our survival is knowing the Father's heart, knowing his love for yourself, but knowing his love and passion for others as well. How to pray. Is, is, our, is our salvation, how to pull upon the Father. But during this time, as I prayed, this said, Father, you know, what's the deal here? And I heard him say, he said, Doug, there's still a seed of prejudice in your heart. And John uh, 6, 63 says, the flesh profits nothing, but the spirit brings life. And what I realized was what's held in my heart actually blocks the work of God's spirit. And John 14, the Holy Spirit is given to us to bring all things to remembrance. So, Father, I'm not aware of any prejudice in my heart. And I say this as not to offend, it's, in fact, it's the opposite, but I, I want to be honest with you, this is the, the course to which I had prayed through. And so, Father, I said, where is there a seat of prejudice? And I watched, uh, what I brought to remembrance was my grandfather, and a black family had moved into a neighborhood that he had uh, lived in, 
and all these racial slurs. Now, this neighborhood was outside of Philadelphia, a town called Mount Airy. He had a 200-acre estate, and I watched when I was five years old and brought to remembrance his racial slurs. I looked at my parents, and they didn't correct me, and they didn't correct it. I said, Father, if that's the seed of prejudice that was entering in my heart, if that's blocking the work of God's Spirit, then, Father, I forgive my grandfather, and I forgive my parents for not correcting me, but, Father, break the curse of that over my own heart. And you know how you pray, you get this witness in your spirit like a transaction has happened? And I knew something had released. The next week, this is my office in Atlanta, and the next week this woman had come for counseling, and I'm doing the background, she's my age, she's a black woman, uh, where'd you grow up? She says, well, I actually grew up outside of Philadelphia. Really? Uh, where? And she said, in a town called Mount Airy. I said, are you aware of this uh, state and so on and so on? Oh, yeah. We were the flat, first black family that had moved into that neighborhood. And now, the reason she came for counseling, she, says, she was tormented, and this is what she said, for most of her life with rejection, and she didn't know where it came from. And I stopped. I went, oh, my gosh. This is representative of the family to which my grandfather had judged. And I told her the story, would you forgive my family for judging and condemning your family? And immediately the Spirit of God came, released her heart. The point is this. All things in heaven and earth must be reconciled. He gives us that ministry of reconciliation. And what we're sharing tonight, how many here will be provoked with fear? I would say fear is one of the number one things I've ever prayed about. But every time I prayed about fear and why I feared it, not only did I gain Christ greater, but the wisdom to which he would give and impart and the love that he would give to not fear happened ever increasingly. And so I say that that the, what I discovered is visions and dreams and the things that I've been provoked to over the years, the sufferings I've had to walk through, every bit of it was for a way to glory. Every bit of it had a higher call, higher meaning behind it, either for reconciliation, for evangelism, uh, for intercession. There was one time I woke up out of, a, uh, out of sleep, and I heard, as it were, a million voices screaming all at once. And uh, there's times, have you ever turned to God and you start talking to him, you're asking him a question, and he answers you before you even get you know, the question out? <laughs> Father, what am I hearing? And I hear him immediately say to me. I'm going to interrupt the broadcast right there. Thirty years ago, God began to give me prophecies saying that one day he was going to use me to win thousands upon thousands of souls to his kingdom, including an audible voice, a vision, a dream, and six prophetic words. I believe that I've been directed to organize a meeting to release sevenfold miracles. We're asking those who believe in the warning given to Dimitri that America is the mystery Babylon, willing to sow a key of David's seed, willing to commit to a three-day consecutive fast, and believe we are in the last days to come to this crusade. During this crusade, we're asking people to walk the steps of Moses by observing Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits, which is April 19 through 22. We believe that once we have fasted, sown the key of David, opened the doors, and followed the steps of Moses, God is going to release the sevenfold miracles like no person or angel in history has ever seen. If you want to attend, register at sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. There are only 500 seats available. We expect to have several thousand wanting to come. That's sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Register while there are still seats available. sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. I just posted a 16-page newsletter 
our largest and most important newsletter in 25 years. It gives you in writing all the prophecies, dreams, visions, and audible voices I've received over the last 30 years telling me to organize this sevenfold miracle crusade. It'll put you in tears. Frankly, it'll put you in tears. You can download it for free at prophecyclub.com. Prophecyclub.com. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation just as a simple project. Surprisingly, I began to receive information on 30 revelations and two visions beyond what is found in the Bible. God showed me a secret door, which is based upon a single word found in Revelation and Leviticus, linking the feasts to the prophecies. When linked, a person enters into an understanding of Bible prophecy not previously known. Even though I've been in the world of Bible prophecy for 40 years, frankly, I did not know anything of what is in this book. One prophetic word described it this way. There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. It will turn so many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Topics are Jesus returns on what feast? The secret of the feasts. Who are the two witnesses? What is the morning star? The judgment seat explained. The great white throne explained. The nations explained. What is the shout? And the parables explained. Seals, trumpets, and vials go in what water? Two amazing prophecy charts on the back flap, 12 inches by 9 inches. Imagine a book on prophecy that brings a fresh, new, accurate perspective. I don't want you to get one book for $20. I want you to get five books for $30 or 10 for 55 It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. Available at prophecyclub.com. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. One for 20. No, 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 don't do that. You want to get five for 30 or the best deal, 10 for 55. Prophecyclub.com.